Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. Um, I know you guys, the listeners, don't realize this, but we haven't recorded in a couple weeks now. Like, <laughs> I just realized, like, I haven't seen, I haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> That's like, true. Like, what, two, two weeks? Um, we are very quickly coming upon the end of season three and I have no memory of a lot of these episodes that we watched like yeah we've we've <laughs> talked about it more I feel like in the last set like the last several episodes like last half of of uh of season three that this is it's extra weird like I'm reminded of of it more than the other stuff because a, a lot of the other stuff uh you, you know I didn't watch uh until I went back and caught up after starting to watch regularly during season three. So mm-hmm. the, the, these are all my first rewatches. I've only seen them all the first time I went through them, but it's, it's just weird in this era. Cause it was what got me really into it. You know, like, mm-hmm. like this is, this is what sold me on it when, uh, I, at the time, like tons and tons of people I was following on social media were talking about it. I think because the, you know, those episodes on, uh, on Maveth, earlier were so good with uh, with Gemma mm-hmm. like they really uh, pulled you in and and I felt like I don't know they were as good as anything on on network tv as far as genre stuff goes I think yeah for sure but yeah I like I remember how this season ends very vividly but I I was like I don't remember any of this that happened in this episode like <laughs> I was like I, have, I was like this is like watching an episode for the first time for me cuz I was like I don't remember anything yeah there's definitely kind of that vibe uh, like just of of it being fresh and there are things that where once it's done i'm like oh right yeah yeah that's yeah. how it happened I and mean, there's other things i'm just like i still like <laughs> like well, crazy but that's how it happened i don't remember no well there's a few things in this episode where i'm like i have no memory of what it's what happened in this episode but like i i see where the storyline is going i'm like and i remember that storyline i'm like okay like you said like that's how it that's how we get there <laughs> Like, we're yeah. fitting in, we're fitting in our memories and weird yeah. and weird like vague recollections yeah. and everything I, in. I feel like I used to have a really good memory and then depression like took over and now I feel like I don't remember anything and this has been a very good test of like how well I can remember things and if I like if you think you're remembering something but it's really just you're you don't remember it right <laughs> like the brain is weird <laughs> well, and uh to bring back our we haven't had it in a few episodes but uh we have promised regular random intervals of Battlestar cast yes. I, I've been re-watching Battlestar uh with a friend of ours and like it's getting to parts where it's very similar as to what you just described where it's just like I, I remember things sort of but not exactly and it's it's one where i i loved the first time around but never rewatched it because the very end of the show just kind of flubbed it for me (laughs) like i felt like like i I loved everything and it wasn't the finale like a lot of people like it's just the last twist the last big twist didn't feel earned like it felt like they were i don't know they didn't phone it in but it felt like maybe there was just too much pressure because it was such a good show and it didn't it, the way it disappointed me wasn't like other shows that have failed or whatever. I still think it's great, but it, it, it's it's just really interesting to rewatch it. And one element I kept anticipating and thinking it was coming earlier than it was. It was uh, uh, the character, not uh, Billy boyfriend of the pod, Billy, but uh, <laughs> and not even the only Bill on 
on Battlestar, <laughs> but Billy, uh, him dying, I remembered very vividly. And there was an episode in the second season, I think. No, no, in the first season, I think, that was uh, all about uh, Adama's character having an Billy? affair with a prostitute or something. Wait, what? Uh, I don't uh, remember uh, that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, it, it, Lee, not not Bill. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, wait, but, but like, who reminded him of his girlfriend who died oh, on Caprica. Right. And that, I think, that was also the, the beginning of Starbuck becoming Poochie from The Simpsons, where right, right. everything she did was perfect, where they were like, well, we need to send her in to lead the Marines. Like, yeah, wait, she's suddenly I, like, like a Marine. And like, yeah, she's never been on the ground. Like, she's a pilot. Why are they sending in the world's best pilot to be the head Marine? It makes no sense. And, the, and to deal with a hostage negotiation. Like, all of a sudden, she's the best at everything that the writers needed to be. And it doesn't really resonate because she's like about being a flawed character. So her being perfect at everything when they need her to is really weird. I, yeah, I, I, I feel like Daisy kind of has the same, th- same situation. I, a lot of the characters on shield do, but it's like Daisy and Mac, they just like assign them like, Oh, suddenly they like know how to do all of this and they're combat trained. And <laughs> I feel the exact same way, but, but it's just, it, it's uh, I, I kept thinking that was the one where he died, like throughout that whole episode, but it was like the next season. <laughs> the, like I'm like, Oh, Right, it's a different random hostage situation yeah, in a yeah, bar yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> like, true. How did, <laughs> like, how did that happen twice in this show? And I didn't know. But like, it's so it, it, it's very very similar to this feeling of rewatching because they're both really high quality shows that I think kind of push envelopes in their genres and in their uh, you know areas of a show. But they yeah. but they're also, also in that like twenty two episode season long thing where it's like okay how many places can you have a hostage situation on a like, space you know <laughs> oh yeah at this point at this point we're uh, like I'm like laughing quite a bit where it's like you know they had all the, uh, these election materials on yeah, the yeah. on the uh, apparently like like a voter registration ship that's one of the only <laughs> ships that survived like like they already have a mining ship that's convenient enough like like the idea that they have all this stuff you know like when they and now they're on Caprica they were like eating you know a meal while someone was in was, was hostage on New Caprica and they uh were you know I was noticing like the meal like has carrots and whatnot and steak and I was like this is I don't mind it, but it's just like, I, I kind of love that they don't bother not spelling things in a oh, yeah. alien language that's all just, it's written in English Galactica on the side yeah. of the ship. It's like, yeah, they worship Greek gods and they speak English and yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> like, there's just no reason to worry about it. But uh, It's pretty great. This is no, we, the now Project Galactica pod. <laughs> right. We just, ew, hey, at least we got almost to justify it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, there's a little, little bit of connection. Um, all right. Before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. So be sure to check them out on Twitter at what is it? But Why Though Podcast. Wait, wait, but but uh, but why though PC and then their website at but why though podcast.com. Wow, it's been a while since I've said that. Um, I'm out of practice. Um, this is season three, episode 16, titled Paradise Lost, written by new people. Uh, George Kitston and Sharon Oliver, and directed by also a new people, Wendy Stansler. Never seen these names. Um, and then originally aired April 12th, 2016. Yeah, I don't know any of those names. <laughs> Although Kitson, we've got, and now I'm thinking I was wrong. Uh, there's an episode in the future uh, where <laughs> it's 
the pl- the planet Kitson, and I thought it was a reference oh. to a long term comic book artist named Barry Kitson. Is this real, well, like at this point, I think like seventy year old British dude, but who's been yeah. drawing drawing comics for since I was a kid. Uh, but he uh, I, and now I'm thinking since there's a shield writer named George Kitson, it's probably <laughs> named after him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I buy the comic thing just because I, yeah, I, I, the writers are big nerds, right? Yeah. Jeff Loeb only recently got fired. When we, when oh, the, yeah, when, let's talk about that really quick. Yeah, Jeff Loeb's gone. Yeah, he was our um, biggest defender. He was Shields. I know. I have such mixed feelings about this. Everyone seems really happy about it, like online, and I'm kind of like, as a Shield fan, I'm like, man, <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, it's so weird because like. I have I have such mixed feelings about that guy in general because a lot of his comics work that people love like a lot of his Batman stuff I don't I don't like as much and like I just disagree with it like like philosophically almost yeah. because like like one of them this big mystery one the the long Halloween he responded to fan predictions the story makes no sense no. the big twist at the end doesn't add up <laughs> at no. all and it's because people accurately predicted it sent in letters and because it was a year-long mystery uh they got the letters in a couple months after an issue would would uh, arrive in stores and he was like oh no they figured it out like, halfway yeah. through and he changed it and i feel like that's you were, lame. <laughs> yeah, you were writing a good mystery if they figured it out. You planted the seeds well. Like, like don't let that just means mess you have smart up. fans. Yes, like, who are paying attention. Like, like, I, 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 I like it when you can figure it out. When you can't, because it doesn't actually add up. Yeah. that's crappy. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I don't know. That's my biggest criticism of him. But he also like has done some really good comics, and I have to love him as as I've talked about many times on this show before. And as everyone who knows me or knows me online knows, I am. Uh, I come from a long line of Teen Wolves, and he is the <laughs> man who teen brought guy, the, yeah. yeah he brought the plight of Teen Wolf to the world. He he shared my family's legacy by creating the, the movie Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. So I I can't really hate Jeff Loeb, <laughs> even yeah. though he, and like just I get the initial reaction too. I think a lot of the people we know who. <sighs> Uh, or not know, but who we might be exposed to online, like are happy because it is a really old, you know, cis het white dude. Yeah, like, so is like, Kevin Feige, right? He's not <laughs> so, replaced by a woman of color or by and, a non-binary and, person or anyone. Yeah, and also look at voice. the lineup. Look at the lineup of actors and creators on Agents of Shield. Like, it's not like Jeff Loeb wasn't doing something yeah, similar or to the gift what Kevin Feige is doing much earlier. Cloak like, and Dagger or Hulu, every one of the shows that he did, all those Netflix shows, they're more diver- they were more diverse than the MCU at the yeah. time. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the people who he hired, not just not just on screen, but creatively. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's a really good point that I think people are missing in their excitement. And I get the excitement. I'm really glad that they're pushing out like Perlmutter, like like slowly oh, but yeah. surely. Like, like these are good things for us creatively, I think, as fans. But we we need to give Jeff Loeb credit where credit's due, I think, because he yeah. he went from a point from a uh, from just being a prolific comic creator at that point like he kind of phased mostly out of television and stuff to going back in because tim kring brought him in i think for heroes <laughs> yeah. and whatnot yeah. uh, who team wolf too <laughs> like, yeah. it all it all connects back together but like I, I i don't know i i i have to give him props for i think actually doing a pretty good job and like when you look at shield shows like shield and the netflix shows and legion and and cloak and dagger which they just announced ended as well which i think has no is no coincidence that yeah. him leaving is is them giving up on that. But that was a great show that was like a, about 
largely like racial issues and, and and issues of misogyny and like and like sex trafficking (laughs) like like, like the shit it dealt with was real and it did it with like a lot of sophistication and nuance and it's it's because they hired people when they even when they did hire straight white dudes for the most part scott bucka aside like they actually seem to care about people and Mm -hmm. and try to do a good job (laughs) like like, like being sensitive so it's a it's a mixed bag i'm glad to have it all unified i love the idea of in the future this won't happen again. The, ne- yeah, the kids yeah. who watch the next show like S.H.I.E.L.D. will get to see, see their characters in the movies. And yeah. that's better for everybody. But yeah. I don't know. I'm, it's yeah. also a little bit of a bummer. And yeah. I got to wonder if this doesn't have something to do with why Ghost Rider didn't go forward. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yep. Interesting. Um, yeah. Like I, like I said, mixed feelings just because like what I said before, like Jeff Loeb has done a great job at including people of color in his his show lineups, but also like I don't know, Kevin Feige gets a lot of credit for for that kind of stuff. But it took ten years of MCU like to get to Black Panther. <laughs> Whereas Mo was the number was the first person, like Mo mm-hmm. and Jed were the first people hired. Yeah, so I don't know. It just it bothers me when that's the argument for like why people are excited about Kevin Feige. Because it's like, well, look at look at the shows that Jeff Loeb's been in charge of. But anyway, whatever. No, they, they don't That's, actually pay attention and yeah. and just start talking on stuff without actually thinking about it. But well, that's the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? and also like that just shows that like movies, like as far as like people paying attention, movies are the thing versus TV, which sucks. But that's just how it is. <laughs> when it just feels like it's also like like I know we we're front loading our diverse. This yeah, <laughs> but 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 it's definitely relevant. But but I feel like it, it, it's something that's not even really true anymore. Like it's yeah. just a percept matter of perception. When we were kids, TV actually had much lower budgets, and I think as a result, people phoned it in. And it was a lot more directed by networks. Like like they didn't television creators didn't have the uh, freedom they have now to tell long form mm-hmm. stories. But like with with streaming, as much as it's disrupted stuff positively and negatively. I think that one of the best things about it is like it's really that in cable television like HBO or AMC or whatever have, have like really pushed long form storytelling in a way that movies other than the MCU because they've been able to make a connected universe with with one you know, cinematic world. But like like other than that, movies don't really have that long form storytelling and yeah. people like box office numbers are low. Viewership of everything else is high. So I feel like it's really weird that most people spend more of their time watching TV or streaming the base that's replaced TV, and yet we still have this perception that it's lesser than film. And I think we absolutely do as a culture. Like it's like, but it's it's based on something that's old fashioned and outdated. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right, I guess I that's guess our, we're done our with our yeah, anyway, <laughs> no more diversions this episode. <laughs> Uh, I would even we haven't even started the recap. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I just realized that. Um, okay, so if you've forgotten from last episode uh, with the clairvoyant, the actual clairvoyant Charles, who was I did not care for his acting. Um, he touched Malik at the very end of the episode, so Malik saw something and he's like freaked out now. Um, and we don't know what he saw yet. Um, and we go to 
what looks like a funeral in 1979 and uh, Father Malik has died. And so Malik and his brother are arguing about going to see Whitehall because I guess Whitehall has a different vision for Hydra than their father had. And Gideon Malik is like, you, you know, we we don't. We, I don't care about Whitehall. Like, I don't want to go. And then they look over and there's some dudes in suits with sunglasses on. And they're like, well, it's like, we don't have a choice. <laughs> so they go in the car and they're going somewhere. Um, and we go back to present day. And Malik comes home and his daughter's there to greet him. Okay. I, I'll get to this in a minute because I need to write a note to talk about that because her character kind of bothers me. Um, sorry. This is great content. <laughs> Malik's daughter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <You're>, what? <laughs> um, and um, so she, he comes home and his daughter's there. And she's like, hi. Um, she's like, oh, you didn't tell me he was good looking. So she thinks Ward is hot and Ward is there. And Gallic is, Gallic, Malik is like, <laughs> <laughs> Malik's like, who? Wait, well, who's here? At, Cause he didn't know. And so I guess Ward showed up and just asked her to gather like the Hydra in a circle. So everybody's on their way and Malik doesn't know anything. And he's like freaked out and Ward comes down. He's like ready to reveal his true self. <laughs> oh, and now that we're doing spoilers and not worrying about spoiler sections, yeah. I was so ready for him to be Sith Kit Fisto in this episode. I, and I was really disappointed that didn't happen. <laughs> it happens soon, though. Not yes. like next episode, I think, or maybe the one after. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I was kind of I was kind of waiting for that to happen, too. Um, we don't see the front of his face, though. Do we see that at some point? We do. We definitely do eventually, but uh, not I don't think in anything we've watched yet. Okay. I couldn't remember because I was like, you know, the, I mean, obviously they have like concept art for it. Yeah, but I, I also found a screen grab, I think. Oh, okay. Well. All right. All right. That makes sense. Alrighty. Anyway, um, we go to the playground and Coulson is in his office and he's staring at the photo of the security footage of Ward walking in front of the camera. And he's so angry. Like he's, he's like, like making a fist with his robot hand and his hand starts glowing and may walks in and she's like i thought you killed him and he's like yeah me too and she's like you didn't kill him hard enough <laughs> and um colson is tries to ask her about andrew and he's like i'm really sorry and she's like no i don't want to talk about that just as much as you don't want to talk about this um and um i don't remember who says this i feel like i don't know if it was may or colson i didn't write it down but they say um i feel like we're only fixing problems we created which i feel like mac had that argument in season two about all of the alien stuff and why he was uncomfortable being with shield and tried to leave <laughs> because of Coulson. Yeah, no, he, he did have that point that a lot of Coulson's crap, like they just kind of took on face value and that it was causing as many problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, So it's like interesting that this is coming back around, but it's true. Like a lot of their problems are what they created. Um, but now may is excited to have her own chance to kill ward as well. <laughs> Cause she didn't get to do that before. Um, and Daisy is looking at one of the bodies from Transia that Ward sucked up. And um, the team uh, has basically figured out what Ward is. Like they, like Gemma and Fitz have come to the conclusion that he's some type of parasite. And um, Daisy is wondering why it hasn't come after them because it has Ward's memories. And um, they're all like, yeah, I don't know. Like we should just be prepared. And so Coulson has a debriefing. They all go and hear what he has to say. And he's like, 
and um Fitz says, Ward's dead. I saw it happen. And they just exchange this look, like Colson Colson and Fitz exchange this look of like, yeah, like that was fucking real. And what did we do? And what did we not do? It's I just yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Like, <laughs> I would say it's like the uh the movie uh Simple Plan, the Sam Raimi movie where they like find uh, a, guy, a guy and his best best friend and his brother find a bunch of money in the woods and they end up like uh killing each other slowly over it like because they don't oh my god they, they want to keep it all like it's that same kind of look though after the first guy gets killed where it's like don't tell anybody we killed somebody <laughs> it's like like but here knows that colson did it like mm-hmm. no nobody except for at this point maybe may really understands what he did i think because he finally yeah. got a cop to that a little bit yeah but yeah <laughs> it's very very interesting um okay sorry i couldn't figure out where i was oh sorry uh, so um they uh lincoln and daisy are gonna go to the badlands because lincoln says that there is a not yet inhuman that might know about what ward is and Daisy's like why is this the first time i'm hearing about this and he's like i'll explain on the way um and the rest of the team are gonna they're gonna follow this lead to go get to malik and to ward um, and we go back to the Malik house and uh, Malik is still very disturbed and his daughter's like, what's going on? And he's, he explains to her that he saw his own death when he touched Charles and he saw Ward killing him. So that's why he's freaked out. So he's feeling like he's not useful to Ward anymore and he's scared. Um, so we go, oh, go ahead. I, thought you were I was going to say though, that makes, that makes sense. Like just given everything, like get that, that vision plus how he's been dealing with his daughter, like his mm-hmm. paranoia as this episode goes on, like makes more and more sense. And- yeah. And he's, st- he stole Guerra from him essentially like his security detail. It's like all these things are, are adding up to, to disaster and doom. Um, and we go back to the past. So obviously this is Malik just remembering these things. And um, the brothers have to go see Whitehall. So we get to see him with his bad German accent again in prison. I thought the <laughs> same thing. Like, like I thought, is he serious? Like it's like he's doing it more. Like it's like, like, like it's like more exaggerated. Come on, it's like almost 1980. Like drop the accent. You can just be whatever. <laughs> well, it, just, now. <laughs> it just feels like like it, it makes like the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie like look oh, like yeah. subtle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really bad. He's cleaning his glasses. He's very villainy right now. <laughs> like super cartoon villainy. Um, and Whitehall talks about how, like, I'm a man of science, like your family, like believes in this, like religious mumbo jumbo with like all these like weird rituals and it's like you, know, you put your hand in a bag and pull out a stone and then you sacrifice. Your, it's so silly, man. but he's also <laughs> not, he's not wrong. No, like everything, he's, everything he says is correct. He's like, what does he say about the stone that melts or turns into liquid or whatever? Like, yeah, no, it's, it's so weird that him, that this Nazi with this cartoon accent, yeah. like, is the one who makes the most sense in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts talking about, he's like, your father wasn't who you thought he was. He's like, you. there's a book in your father's study titled Paradise Lost. You should go check it out. Um, and we go back to the present and Malik is super scared and his daughter doesn't think that he will get killed. She's like, you know, I'm going to tell you what you always tell me to man up. And um uh, you need to go remind him how important you are. My cat is meowing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think you can pick it up on the mic, but I can't. <laughs> He's being so loud. 
think he's downstairs. Anyway, <laughs> so we go on the Quinjet and um, Daisy is sitting there thinking about what she saw in the future and she's very disturbed and um, Lincoln comes back and he starts to explain like where they're going. So the guy that they're going after was a potential inhuman um, with afterlife and uh, but he never went through the mists like Jaying wouldn't let him. His name is James. He's an Australian demolitions expert and um, Jaying banished him and he, apparently he made a scene about this ancient inhuman that could raise the dead and apparently he's really bitter about not getting to go through the mists. So this is a great situation they're walking into. <laughs> But very interesting. And I didn't remember this connection to him at all, like that he was connected to Ward somehow. I thought, I don't know what I thought about him, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Fitz and Gemma are looking at these like microscopic organisms that were on the corpses from Transia. And Gemma suggests like, obviously, like they're used to like, you know, uh, consume flesh, but they might be used to reanimate dead flesh as well. And she thinks that Ward controls them. Um, and then Mac walks in and he's found Guerra, so they're going to go after him. Um, back at the Malik home, Ward um, says to Malik that his daughter impresses him. She's a true believer. She'll play a key role. Foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> Malik um, asks Ward if he can remember any of his host's memories. And Ward gets really like defensive. He's like, why? Is there something you'd like to <laughs> ask them? <laughs> hmm. Um, so we go to the playground and everybody's going after Gira, but they're like, okay, what do we do? This guy can like basically manipulate any like non-biological object and throw things at us or like shoot guns at us. And so Fitz has made these special guns that can't be shot unless like whoever they belong to is holding it. So Gira can't use it against them. Um, which is, which, and then Mac has this line of great. He'll just like bludgeon us to death with something. <laughs> <laughs> um, always keeping it real. Um, I feel like like that's that would have been a hunter line, but like Mac has taken on that role of like grounding us in reality. <laughs> well, and I think he always had like that kind or maybe not always, but he maybe filled that role before Hunter was on more full time, but in a different way, like like in a less of a punchline way. Yeah. Um this the he's definitely like throwing punchline lines yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they, they, they don't feel like they're the same dialogue hunter had but like you said like it's the same role well, like mm -hmm. he's, he punctuates things by being like well what about this <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, it's, it's almost like it's like the voice of the audience yep like 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 calling out stuff that should be called out but not like breaking the fourth wall or not ruining yeah. whatever's happening I, I feel like this show does a really good job of that because daisy has definitely done that colson does that a lot too he's just kind of like yeah this is ironic weird right like but it's just it, they, it's like a moment and then it pulls you back into the universe like yeah or, or like they finally mentioned it a couple episodes ago but like fitz and Gemma talking about them being cursed like yeah you know, they keep talking about it. like that's very meta like, like even though people absolutely also talk like that it's even more interesting like because it's true like writers yeah. the universe is keeping them apart. <laughs> <laughs> the writers are keeping them right. apart. <laughs> um, so Daisy and Lincoln show up, and they're in South Dakota, if you didn't know where the Badlands were. Um, <laughs> so they show up at James's home, and um, it's like there's like a gate around it, and there's this loudspeaker, and this line of dialogue cracks me up. So James is on the speaker, and he's like, Take your, oh, Lincoln, it's you. Take your little boy band hipster scruff and piss off, <laughs> which it makes me happy when people make fun of Lincoln. Um, I like him already. Uh, and he's not welcoming. And uh, he has like 
you know, like all these guns and stuff. And they start walking towards his home and Daisy steps on a landmine. She's like, great, fuck. Um, and so she quakes at it until they can like walk far enough away to let it explode. And then she quakes the ground to set off the rest of the landmines. And James is like, oh, fuck. And then he grabs his gun and then Lincoln zaps him and takes him out. <laughs> this is totally like when she caught someone with her quake powers. We talked about it before. It's like, how do you quake? a landmine like like oh yeah yeah you know when earthquakes are uh giving out a constant like force of <laughs> like, 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 like simulating the pressure of a footstep yeah. <laughs> like, it makes it's no very sense weird if you think about it but <laughs> no. don't think about it like it's just like banshee flying in x-men first class like yeah if you had supersonic screams you could yell so loud that flaps <laughs> under your arms let you fly what <laughs> It's not the way, whatever. But it looks really cool. Like yeah, her just it looks like rad. Sticking and her hand that, in the ground and like being crazy. Right. And yeah, her, her they figured out a really cool way to make her vibration power like work visually. So mm-hmm. we don't need to worry about it. Yep. Yep. Uh, of course Lincoln's zapping power um still. Yeah, they both they both basically have telekinesis via electricity and earthquake and, powers, yeah, which yeah. is fascinating to me when I think about it too much. It's so crazy. Um, <laughs> so we go back to the Malik home and Malik is remembering the past and apparently, uh, like a night where all of the inner circle was going to meet and they were going to do this, you know, this ritual with stones and, and the, the melting rock. Um, his brother looked at the book paradise lost in their father's study and he found a white rock in the book. Um, and he's crying and he's like, you know, our father wasn't who he thought he was. Like, this is bullshit. And Gideon's kind of like, yeah, whatever, but we'll be better men. And they throw what well, they think his the brother thinks that they throw the rock, the white rock into the pond. Um, and Malik now in present day, Malik calls everybody to the table um, uh, and they're going to do another ceremony. But he calls it. Yeah, it, it's not really a ceremony. It's a celebration like. um, because what we've been trying to achieve has been achieved and ward walks in and they're like yeah you're just grant ward like what the fuck and he's like no no i might wear his face but i'm something different and he reveals his weird kit fisto face but we don't get to see the front of it (laughs) we just see the back right like it works in story but i thought that because we see it in the concept art, because because I already discovered, it, I assumed that we would see it as viewers. Yeah, so that was the disappointing part. Yeah, um, I was like, man. And then I th- I was thinking that we don't see it, but you said that we do. So I At least I, th- I mean, <laughs> may- maybe they just it feels weird that they would have made the whole thing, but it's always possible, I guess, that they made it for this scene and then like edited it. They decided not to show it. Yeah, but I feel I feel like before the end of the season they finally do, but yeah. I I could be wrong. I'm always really weirded out whenever there's characters with like tentacles on their face or their head. They make them like move. Like they do that in um, Pirates of the Caribbean too. And it just like freaks me out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like <laughs> at the time, it was like some of the best like like state of the art special effects with yeah. the Davy Jones and Pirates of the Caribbean. Like it was, they moved a lot. <laughs> it yeah. was, it was super weird and creepy. Yeah. Ugh, I don't like it. And also, like you're not in water. Like that's why they move in, you know. They wouldn't even do that in air, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're at some factory where Gira is, and it's like some subsidiary of Hydra's plans or whatever. Um, 
so the team walks in and starts icing everybody and apparently Gira has cleaned up the building. So they, you know, and, you know, sent away like a bunch of data from the databases. So they can't get to any other leads from this building. Um, and <laughs> Gira heads towards Colson and Colson starts running and there's this chase. This is really long chase scene of them like running through doors and stuff. And it's just, it was just very silly because it was so long. <laughs> I was like, why are they still running like this? And, um, uh, Coulson, and it was a trick because Coulson locks Gira in a room that doesn't have anything in it with May. And so there's nothing for him to throw at her. And um, this doesn't stop him because apparently he's a very excellent martial artist. And this is, it was a really good fight, like between him and May. Uh, but May wins, of course, because she's May. Well, and th that's the guy, the actor is like known for being a really good uh, yeah. martial artist. Mark yeah. Dacascos or Dacascos. Yeah. He's so like, it, it was, it was cool to be able to it's see really cool. them fighting. And, like, I'm I, I'm conflicted because like uh, super slide aside, Ruby Rose is Batwoman on mm -hmm. uh, the CW, and she was recently like had a really really bad spinal injury, and it's like I, I'm I'm happy with the conclusion of it that she's like I'm not gonna do the serious stunts anymore. Yeah, like she's like I've learned my lesson, but she also was like I think I proved myself. I, I think I earned my cred with this. And it's like screw Tom Cruise and the attitude that like they should be doing this. Like this mm -hmm. is not smart, but at the same time like. They're not jumping off of buildings or helicopters or free climbing a mountain yeah. or whatever out of ego. These are just two guys who are really good at martial arts in, in these two actors. And it's cool yeah. to see the no, knowing uh, Ming-Na and uh, Mark Dacascus's like, like actual ability and knowing that they actually do the fighting. It does yeah. make it kind of cool. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Ming-Na Ming does all the fighting though. No. For sure. She has like a couple stunt doubles. Right. So I know she does some of it, but not all of it. Um, right. I have a feeling that a lot of this scene was her double because just the, the acrobatics of how, it. <laughs> how acrobatic it was. That's true. Yeah. But um, but it's it, it there, I feel like there's less of the really obvious ones. For one, because they do a good job with stunt casting on this show. Mm -hmm. But because she does know martial arts, like they're able to do shots yeah. with her, where you see that it's her fighting. But like you said, like the acrobatic stuff clearly. Yeah. I mean, and even though he is, I think, a professional martial artist as we know he is uh, uh the chairman's nephew or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time iron chef uh you know probably isn't doing like freestanding backflips over and over again he's also like pushing 60 <laughs> right they're both they're both like quite older so True. i mean there are people that can do that like in their 60s but you know I just don't see, I don't see either of them wanting to risk injury over right. that. Right, they both actually little... act. Yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna hope that uh, that Wu Assassins gets a renewal. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and he, oh yeah. Uh, a, re a reason to not kill himself. Right. Well, it just reminds me too. I remember like one of the one of the times that we talked about that like one shot fight scene with Daisy. Like Chloe yeah. Bennett broke her arm, and she did like a lot of the the um the actual fight scenes with a broken arm. She was like doing blocks and stuff. So it's like, she was, kind of, you know, I think, feel like she probably learned her lesson too. Cause she broke her arm trying to do stunts. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's just not great guys. Like, yeah, I feel like that's a really okay not, it's okay to not do that. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, I, I feel like it's, it's sort of like the stuff with Hugh Jackman talking about not destroying their bodies and bringing up that like, it's clearly a worse problem for women in culture in general and in Hollywood specifically, but like just the, the way actors are, are held like these impossible standards isn't good. Like I feel like similarly 
with Ruby Rose being like, I'm not going to keep doing this. Like, like yeah. it, I like that there seems to be more and more people who aren't ashamed or, or embarrassed to say, yeah, I did this, but maybe I shouldn't destroy my body to look good for a scene, you right. know, or maybe I shouldn't destroy my body to, so that people, people who still can't see my face because it's blurry, <laughs> like, no, but it's me who risked my life without proper training. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad people can put their egos aside. Unlike Tom yeah. Cruise. <laughs> well, I think um, he's just made of ego. <laughs> that man. Anyway, so May wins the fight and they take him on a stretcher into the Zephyr and they're trying to put him into the containment module and we start to see things moving around in the in the hangar and they're like, oh shit, get him in there, get him in there. <laughs> and um they start uploading the data. Um uh, oh, apparently Gear uploaded the data to some server at like an oil like compound somewhere like on the Dutch and German border. And Coulson has this line of it's like they're not even trying to avoid the bad boy, bad boy cliches with like the oil industry. <laughs> Another meta comment. And um, they get Gear in the containment module and it seems like all is well. But I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, so Daisy and Lincoln are in James's house and he wakes up and they start questioning him. And um, apparently Lincoln had not gotten his powers by the time that James left. And he's like, they gave, they let you go through the mist? Like you, like you almost killed your girlfriend. And Daisy's like, wait, what? <laughs> and apparently it's a story that he hasn't told her. Um, and um, so Lincoln's like, look, um, we need something that you have. Like we need your information and also um, an object that you might have. And he offers like a Terragenesis crystal as incentive. And apparently James stole this like Cree ball thing. And he starts telling the story of Hive. And he says his name was Alvius, which you remembered that. And I was very impressed <laughs> like a while back. I did not remember this. Um, his name well, was obvious. It's because I had thought that it might be Maveth and I had to figure out oh, yeah, what it right. was. Cause I was like, I, like, I have to remember this because <laughs> it was something. And I think they're both either Greek or Latin words. Like Maveth means death. And I think Alvius, I think means hive. Yeah, it does. And that's revealed in another episode. It's not revealed in this episode, but um, yeah. So he tells the story of Alvius. He was one of the first in humans. He was actually created to lead the Cree army, but he started a revolution to drive the Cree out. And he like banded all the other humans together. Um, and then the rest of the inhumans banded together with other humans to get rid of Alvius because they feared him so much. Um, and James talks about how like we, they, those inhumans, like them in that room, all descended from that first group of inhumans. And it's he's really upset that this history was kept from them. And Daisy's kind of like, well, I bet Jaying feared him because they didn't want someone to try to bring him back, <laughs> which I mean, fair. Um, and Lincoln's like, okay, give us the ball. And and he does this like bait and switch thing. And he like keeps the Terragenesis crystal from him. And James doesn't get his powers. And he's very upset. Um. We go back to the Malik home and um, Malik's daughter is like weirdly obsessed and respectful of her father. And it's kind of creepy. Like she's just very like, I don't know what it is about the way that this actress works. But um, I look so do you remember the movie Casper, the ghost with yeah. uh, Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci? She reminds me of the villain woman in that. <laughs> Man, I have vivid memories of like visuals of that movie. 
don't remember the storyline. I, I can remember like scenes with Casper and his uncles and the special effects. I remember the end with uh, him being human and he was Devin Sawa, I think. For yes, for, like, yes. And it was the first time I, uh, I think anyone I knew knew who that was. But like all of a sudden, every girl I knew had a crush on him. Oh <laughs> yeah, for two sure. Two seconds at the end of that movie, and yeah. I was like, whoa. Yep. Well, I don't know. <laughs> that movie is like was part of like my childhood. And yeah, I, I, I think I'm like love that movie so much. I, but I think I'm right at the age where like I was maybe the older side of that yeah. kid. But 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 at the same time, like I was I was with that overlap. Like I saw it a lot. It was always on. It feels like at, at the Halloween season. And but but uh, but I can't quite remember. Who? What was the villain's story in that? Like, I don't know, but she was blonde and she was very like obsessed with like whatever was in the house, and she kind of dressed similar. She had, you know, I don't know. So she just reminds me of her. So anyway, I looked up who this Megan actress McCain. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I looked up who this actress is because I was like, okay, who is this? Like, why does she look so familiar? She was in One Tree Hill, so another yes, connection. <laughs> I think I mentioned that. Yeah, she plays the Haley, the the girl that you mentioned before in another episode that we did. Yes, I only vaguely know any about that because my my just like the OC, it was that I, I I forgot that this was the original version of that show where my my brother and my sister in law were like we watched Dawson's Creek and laughed at how bad it was. So yeah. you're gonna <laughs> like this too, and I'm like you can't demand that I like every one of them. Like, like it's mm-hmm. gotta. You can't capture lightning in a bottle, you know. Like, know. You, you have to just let it happen. I love Riverdale. I didn't think I would, <laughs> but it's amazing. But like, I also don't expect anyone else to like it, because yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's bad. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was really funny that connection. I was like, oh. <laughs> we already talked about her. Um, but anyway, she, I just she is I, bad. I just feel like her character on the show is like so weird. She's just like, here's your scotch father, two fingers, blah, blah, blah. I just think you're the best. You're so amazing. Like, when I was reading your notes about it, uh, just like her being like weirdly obsessed or whatever, like it just reminds me almost of a character in like a Victorian era, like a Charles Dickens novel or, or like, or just something written by a man who's never thought of a woman as a woman, as a human. Her only role is to just like lift up her father's ego and like bring him scotch. And it's like, doesn't she have her own life? Like, isn't she off doing something else? Why is she here? Like, And you sort of get the like, he, whatever, raised her that way. Like you get, the, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, like that doesn't make it less creepy, but he's it's- like, 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 groomed his daughter to be basically like his servant or whatever, or his cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really gross. I was gonna say biggest fan, same thing. <laughs> it's super gross. Like, it makes no sense, and yeah. like, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have like a the same. It doesn't have like the obvious creepy undertones. Like, it doesn't seem like she's in love with him or anything, but it just seems mm-hmm. like she's overly concerned. Yes, but, 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 but like, it's still creepy, but but not in the overtly gross way. Yeah. There's just <laughs> but, something about it. That's like, it's not quite right. Like it's a little bit too obsessive of a father daughter relationship, but it's not sexual. It's just like, it, I think it's just like her fanaticism of right. like what their family, like the religion of their family that they've upheld and like her being a part of Hydra too. So I feel like if she randomly killed his wife, business partner or him, it would all add up. <laughs> like, it's all, like any one of those is like, no, that makes sense with the way she's been acting. Like, oh, I just want my inheritance and my trust right. fund. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, anyway, um, uh, 
so she's like sitting there with a book and apparently Ward gave his gave her a copy of Paradise Lost. She's like, oh, our our friend has taken a, an odd interest in me. And she's like, seems really excited about this. Like she's yeah, I he's think the she's leader. Like, she thinks he's hot. Yeah. It's like she's like super excited. And, and Malik just looks at her and he's like, oh, shit. Like he knows something and it's going to come back to haunt me. Um, so back or on the Zephyr, um, Gemma talks about how the compound that they that Gira was trying to clean out they were studying birds and bugs and all these other invasive invasive species that fly in swarms and they were genetically engineering plants and animals to resist um these parasites essentially but they burned all the evidence which is very interesting and she, uh, Gemma thinks what they found on the bones in the lab at the base are it our ward they're he's not just controlling them they are a part of him like he is the actual parasite um and colson like listens to this and then he walks out in the hallway and he's like so disturbed by ward returning he like is just like leaning up against the wall like with his robot hand is like clenching this pipe and fitz catches him bending the pipe in the hallway he's like you doing okay sir <laughs> and um uh Fitz is like, what? Or Colson says, you know, I think we took it too far. Like it, it turned into revenge versus like justice. Like, and, and Fitz is like, I was there. Like, what else were we supposed to do? Let him live, let him win. And Colson says, you know, when I killed him, he did win. And he's like, I knew it would come back to haunt me, but I didn't actually think it would come back to haunt me. <laughs> no, this was good. This was a good scene because they're both right. Mm-hmm. And then they punctuated it with a really good. Colson dead. <laughs> it's just he says it with a dead serious face, which made it even better. It's like no, because yeah. sometimes, sometimes he's got that Clark Gregg uh, New Adventures of Old Christine face, where he just yeah, like, has this shooting grin. Well, like it, like it's almost Seinfeld esque, where it's like he's not laughing while he's saying the line, but he just he knows exactly how funny it is, and it mm-hmm. works because the character is saying a dad joke or whatever. But yeah. this one's this this. This is one of those moments where it still works on that level, but like you said, like he said it actually seriously because their world is weird. <laughs> exactly. And it's a serious moment too. Like Colson is like tearing himself apart over this and Fitz is trying to make him feel better. When it's the it's only person player. who really knows. Like like yeah. like we said before, like May says, like like, like I, I think I understand, but like we don't know that she did because like she compared it to the like we talked about before, she compared it to the cavalry moment, which is like not the same like, yeah that was like that was her sacrificing herself for the good of others this was him sacrificing a piece of himself for vengeance <laughs> like for right. the, for for nothing good for anyone <laughs> like, yeah yeah but i mean fitz is like he has a good point like what are we supposed to do like no one wa- no one wins in that situation like if they leave ward he's still right. alive on this planet he might figure out a way to so get he away if he, he doesn't get his punishment it. quote but if like colson kills him with his bare hands like colson loses a part of himself and it's like no one no one wins but no on some level i think i think that that you you put that really well it's like i think colson's not allowing himself to see that he knows that fitz is right but he's not allowing himself to see that in a way it was situation well well, well, just in a way it was for other people like you said like, like it was he sacrificed a piece of himself willingly to save the world just as much as he did to, for vengeance, but he's only focusing on 
the, the yeah. bad part on the fact yeah. that he got vengeance out of it, not thinking that it was a necessity to keep everybody safe from this guy, or at least try. I mean, yeah. to be fair too, they failed. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Which it actually should, came back to haunt which him. Which Fitz should have been able to figure out because he saw zombie Will. Like, like, like yeah. not necessarily that they followed him, but he should just should have known that it wasn't enough yeah. to know yeah. if anyone in that area is dead. But with a crazy zombie monster going around. And it makes you wonder, like, if he wouldn't have killed Ward, like, would the creature have come back? Like have been able to come back, like oh yeah, because they because they can't possess living humans. Yeah. Oh crap! <laughs> Damn it! Not only did 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 Jimma maybe sleep with an undead inhuman zombie guy, but also they made the wrong choice. They should have just let him starve to death there, or get yeah. possessed by by him later after getting starved to death. Dang I, it. I honestly it's a feel, mind screw. I know. And so I've obviously Colson feels responsible for that. But well, also, and they couldn't like, have known that. They couldn't have yeah, known. No. But all, all, like Hydra would have found a way to get back there. Like, you know, like someone would have found a way to get back there and figured that out. Cause, you know, evil, whatever. Like <laughs> um, so it's not if it wasn't them, it was gonna be someone else. So now at least like they they can fa- go face to face with this thing and like either get rid of it or like, you know, take it on when and they're the people that have the you know the tools and the the courage behind it i think and the good intentions to like keep keep everybody absolutely like it's not the worst outcome possible but it's just so interesting like (laughs) like 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 when you really get down to it if they would have known everything it's like no just let him die and and nothing will happen like like he'll he'll starve there eventually yeah yeah it's fine um yeah um but imagine like ward be, Ward would have figured out a way to come back somehow. Like he just would have, because he's Ward and he's annoying. Um, yeah, who knows how long? <laughs> like you get the feeling his will wasn't like completely zombified corpse, even if he died a long time ago. Like I don't know. You get the feeling he he lived a while, you know. Yeah. Uh, and 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 if 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 a random astronaut who might have been tricked or maybe was just a Hydra stooge, like. Yeah. Just to, if, if they could last any length of time and if Gemma could last that long and not to undersell her because she's, brilliant, you know, yeah, uh, yeah br- brilliant and, and I, th- I think resourceful. But at the same time, Ward is a fanatically like like div- dedicated person, like to, to whether it's to himself or to, you know, whatever he built up, you know, in the past. Yeah. Well, you, and you know, he was like Hydra- or- he was Hydra Jesus at that point, too. So he was like all like. In, yeah, he'd been he'd himself. been indoctrinated <laughs> yeah. and bought into his own hype a little bit. Yeah, no, no. So, so like, yeah, no. At, at that point, I feel like he was maximum going to get back some some way, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. or at least going to last as long as possible. For sure. Um. So Mac is interrogating Gira through the containment module, and Gira has this line of, "You know, we see such great potential for humanity. Those who are worthy will inherit a better world." And Mac is kind of like, well, those who aren't worthy, what happens to them? Like, <laughs> but it's like, okay, we're starting to see like what Hive's plan is for like he's not on the same page as Malik and Hydra. Like he is he's beyond that. Um we go back to the Malik home and um Malik is looking at his father's Paradise Lost book, and Ward comes to see him, and uh, we find out that um in that ceremony where we thought the white rock was gone, but apparently it wasn't. Uh, Malik was like his father and like had a trick up his sleeve. Um, his brother is the one who chose the black rock and had to go through the portal. And um, and Nathaniel is now 
his brother is now talking through Ward to Malik. And it's so creepy. He's like, you know, I thought we were in this together, blah, blah, blah. And Malik is like, I did all of this so that I could get you to return. And then Stephanie is standing there, his daughter, and she's like crying. She's like very hurt that she was lied to. And um, we're just like, see who your father is. And Malik is like, no, like I'm, you know, I don't want you to see me like this. I want to go out. He expects that Ward is going to kill him. He's like, I want to go out like the man you think you, I want you to remember me by. And Ward says, this needs to be made right, but I still need a Malik by my side. And so we think, oh, of course, like his daughter would be the one to stay. But Ward turns and kisses Stephanie and she's like all like fanatically like, oh, my God. And then he kills her. And Ward's line is, now you understand sacrifice. Which, fuck, (laughs) that scene was really intense for many reasons like the whole like dead brother talking to him through this like creepy like parasite dude and then like the indoctrinated daughter being killed and then oh man and i feel like this was definitely this was very much like a a fridging moment Mm -hmm. but at the same time like i don't know if it's much worse because she was always like in retrospect this is what she was made for yeah. or better because they didn't destroy a character that we invested time in and they'd invested time in i think it makes it worse because we the, her only arc was just, yeah, it's just killed like, like they're both both options are really crappy like, like, like and it just it's i think that it sucks because we've we've dealt with it a lot on this show not i don't think a lot like per capita you compare it to other sh- to any other show like mm-hmm. it's not not necessarily as many and i think that we've talked about before i think a lot of the times that it's come close to or been this it's been the best of it can be because i think of mo's influence uh and we give her a lot of credit on that behalf but it's just every time at this point having like discussed it three or four times every time it happens it's like oh damn it i forgot about this one (laughs) and i'm confused like why they made her a woman like if they would have made him or made her his son, like it would have been fine. You know what I mean? Like white oh, dudes, totally agree. white dudes being sacrificed. Also, you know? I think yeah. it would have been much more poetic because of everything with Ward. Yes. If it was a third brother, oh shit, not a son at all. Because <sighs> the whole thing with sacrificing his brothers, I, I, I think that that was a real misstep on their part. It was a it was, it was a missed opportunity that they could have done super easily. Just word replace a few things in the script and recast. Five, five episodes ago and that would have been i think a brilliant parallel but instead it was a trope that's really overdone and unnecessary yeah that was very true and we got this weird father-daughter relationship thing that made me yeah but just was skeevy, <laughs> skeevy for no reason <laughs> yeah which i guess the only reason i could see for that is that it makes him extra evil but it's also like an evil we see so many times yeah. in so many well, ways. If it were his little brother that he was subjugating, that's even creepier and weirder and more evil. Like, yeah. like or not well, more evil, too, but just differently, like, more dif- differently evil, less stereotypical. Yeah, and I think maybe they were playing on the like you know the connection that obviously Gideon has to his daughter. Like they were playing that up that they are very close. Like she worships him and. Now, you know, that one person is taken away from him. Now he understands sacrifice, but still, it's not a great, it's not a great thing. Um, I think you're right. And the brother thing, that would have been great, I think. America wasn't ready for uh, for Ward to to kiss a hot older dude. uh, Man, see, we could have had some like some 
some some bisexual tension going on and ugh, there's a lot of missed opportunity here guys <laughs> also that's kind of weird because like she's technically kissing her uncle yeah because he had just been <laughs> speaking through Ew. oh my god but then it would have been him kissing his brother so i don't know what i don't know i'm confused <laughs> It definitely should have should have should have been a brother, and also maybe not have the kids. <laughs> he just touched his face lovingly, like I love you, brother. But now I'm gonna. Um, that anyway, been extra creepy, like to just have both hands on his face and just like look right in his eyes and have him dissolve, like oh, so creepy. Anyway, weird situation. I don't I don't like it. Anyway, um, on the Quinjet, um, Daisy and Lincoln are there, and Daisy's demanding answers. She's like, "Why didn't you tell me? Just tell me what happened." Like what james you know brought up and oh no lincoln lincoln's man pain it's time to explain and so apparently he was a drinker and an angry boy and um uh he had this girlfriend and he was drinking to fill this void and he drove drunk and she got in the car with him and he almost killed her and gordon showed up and they saved her and they brought him to afterlives yay which was dumb story <laughs> no it, it really is and now we know why he had well, well and like with the order of this story we know that he had his aa guy before this yeah so, so he was relapsing lincoln was yeah lincoln's a like i a better actor <laughs> I, I feel like i'd feel for lincoln He'd yeah I tragic do character but i instead, do too i'm just like well fuck you buddy <laughs> well, they could have they played up his alcoholism to like really make a statement in this show but it's just used as this like excuse i feel like for his like white cis man pain and i yeah, you know what i mean like they really could have like had a message about like addiction and that's a How, disappointment. You know what I mean? Like it could have been a really good storyline at, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if Luke Mitchell has those chops. Also true. <laughs> but, but it's, it just, it's overall it's a disappointment because when this started, they were still sort of working with uh, the film side. And just mm -hmm. like overall, you th I think about it and like both Tony Stark and Carol Danvers are yeah. members of AA in the comics yeah. and have dealt with uh, alcoholism. And this was an opportunity since they've, aren't going to do those in those movies at least, or at least haven't so far, which is fine. It was a choice, but, and I definitely understand why, like with the first one to introduce the yeah. whole concept of the MCU, they didn't start with anything that heavy. And then with the first female led over 10 years in, as you pointed out, uh, film, uh, they also might not want to make the first one of her outings that loaded, like, but at the same time, I think that's to the detriment of, overall story like because it doesn't make a character a lesser hero or a worse person who dealt with that it makes them more human uh just to, to understand a facet of somebody i think and, and like and it's it's an opportunity to understand a struggle that a lot of people have to go through that we don't get in these popular fiction stories about heroes unless it's like i think done in a really destructive way like this with Lincoln or a show like rescue me while I loved it with, uh, with Dennis Leary per portraying a, uh, drug and alcohol addicted firefighter, which is something a, a lot of firefighters do have to struggle with substance abuse because they have insane hours and pressure and like, like have all sorts of, uh, you know, psychoses named after them because of the pressure of like having to save people's lives for a living. But it's like at the same time, 
not all of them are these tragic self-destructive stories. So let's not always hit that button. Like yeah. let's show that it's a range of, of experiences that people have to deal with and, and overcome or have difficulty, you know, overcoming to across a whole spectrum. And again, like you said, Luke Mitchell's running the guy to cast to play that part, but then maybe not com- go back to that well over and over again of him being an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> and then I don't know. It's funny too because James, like in another scene, has this like line of like, "Oh, now you can you actually have the power to kill somebody." <laughs> he kind of like pauses because he killed his sponsor. In a Dark. <laughs> anyway, so um, Lincoln says, "You know, I-, I want you to know that I would never hurt you to Daisy." And he's like, Ugh. "And Daisy's like, which is really this? I don't understand how this is connected." She's like, "I have a secret to tell you too." And she's like, "Someone on their team is going to die." <laughs> Okay. Like that's not really a, a personal secret, but <laughs> okay. Guess what? Since we're sharing, since we're talking about, I guess death. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you <laughs> kill an ex girlfriend. I was gonna die. No, it's it's it's, it's a weak, weak, uh, weak, weak segue. <laughs> yeah, apparently, it was weighing on her, so she had to get. It. <laughs> since they're they're both, you know, letting stuff go right now. Speaking of secrets, anyway. I've really wanted to tell people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and meanwhile, Guerra is trying to open the containment module with a seatbelt buckle that he took, like when he was being brought in. Um, we saw that seatbelt kind of like flying in the air, like when he was being brought in another scene. And oh no, he's escaped. And Fitz is what the hell did I write this? Fitz is in the hangary with him. Hang, it's not even a hanger, it's like the ship, whatever. Um, in the hangary, <laughs> so Fitz is in like the the uh, the loading bay with him, and he's like trying to shoot him. And Gira takes the gun away, and then Mac runs, Mac runs down, and like Gira knocks him out, like real quick. And um, he Gira like runs upstairs and encounters Colson, and he's able to control Colson's hand because it's not biological, and he gets knocked out. And then Gira walks into the control room and is like he takes control of the plane and he lands it in this underground hangar and may like i mean he does this crazy move so everybody in the in the in the cockpit is just like flying all over the place so may is like dragging herself to the comms table and is like calling for daisy's help and she's like and she's like help daisy we need and then gira knocks her out daisy got the comm and is like oh my god everybody on our team is in that plane and Lincoln says, not everyone, which, yes, Yo-Yo is coming back. <laughs> um, and the very end scene is Malik's very sad because his daughter's dead. And um, Ward uh, reports Kira's success. He's like, we have balanced the scales today. You have nothing else to fear. We're together till the end. But are we? Because Malik's very upset now. And that's the episode. So. There's a one comics connection, and I have the stupidest nitpick about that Yarek escaping scene. Because overall, I I dug it, but it's like if Joey can't can't melt stuff, I just don't understand how like the, I understand that he has the foreign object, he has the uh, seatbelt buckle there, but like how does he use it to escape? Uh, yeah, like the fact that like, I, uh, it's only like, it's 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 infinitely adaptable to inhuman powers, which could be anything. But its one weakness is a seatbelt buckle. Yeah, I was con- I I didn't understand that either. Um, but I what it, what it looked like was that he like brought it in the module with him, and so he was doing it from the inside. So I guess I mean technically we've seen Yo Yo like kind of do her Yo Yo thing inside there. So maybe power inside the module, you just can't like do manipulate anything outside the module. Like, yeah, that was my... it just, it, 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 I, you're, you're right. It just makes no sense to me. 
like if they can use their power inside the module, like I just understand it. If yeah, like it, Joey if it can, can melt the entire thing and like escape, right? Like right. If he <laughs> if if it's melt proof, then I don't understand how whacking it a bunch of times <laughs> with a seatbelt buckle telekinetically is. Oh, it's too many times or whatever. I think like they show like he like pried open the doors with it or whatever, but it's like. I don't. It feels like that shouldn't be possible <laughs> somehow. I, 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 it's not a big deal. It didn't ruin it. It's not a electrical lasso or anything. But uh, okay, uh, JT is is our comics connection character. JT. Uh, to start, I think it's worth worth mentioning that his credit is name JT stands for James Taylor James. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> Which <laughs> Billy D. Williams, William December. Yeah, works yeah. i don't know if it's just december's a cooler middle name uh or what or the fact that this includes james taylor who while i enjoy his music doesn't really fit with either version comic or show version of the character it's yeah. it's weird it's weird to think that the guy who sings those really mellow folk songs uh, would be who this australian dude's named after <laughs> um so in the show we find when we meet him now we find later on you know he gets these powers uh uh, they're sort of similar to the comic book version. Uh, both of them are called Hellfire. And he, you know, he can set things on fire by touching them and making them explode, somewhat like Gambit how in, in the comics uh, and movies and whatnot. He touches his cards and makes them explode. He does the same thing, only they catch fire first uh, in the show. Uh, he's not an inhuman in the comics, though. He's <laughs> a, a caterpillar, which are people who aren't mutants or inhumans, but inherited their powers other ways. Uh, as Daisy was and Yo-Yo uh, was when they were first introduced, although Yo-Yo did become an Inhuman. Uh, she's the only one of that Secret Warriors crew from their initial group that that uh, had that retcon applied to them. Uh, so right. <laughs> JT's character is bonkers. doesn't work on any level. He's descended from a character named Carter Slade, who is also known as the Phantom Rider or the first Ghost Rider. This mm-hmm. guy had a glow-in-the-dark white outfit Totally white from head to toe, including a white face mask and a white cowboy hat, rode a white horse. And he would cover the horse in the same meteor dust that his costume was covered in that made it glow in the dark. And eventually, I think, he, like, killed them, maybe? Like, like <laughs> with radiation? I'm not sure. But, like, he has an awful hit. hit the character in a time travel story, one version of him. I think two brothers had the uh, identity in the past, Carter Slade and Lincoln Slade. Lincoln uh, uh, raped uh, Mockingbird. Yeah, in a time travel story, which I yeah. mentioned once before, I believe. Not good, really bad. Uh, and this character, so he's the grandnephew, great-grandnephew or something. He's descended from him, and so he has hellfire powers and can touch stuff and make it, uh, Im- imbue it with magical hellfire like the other Ghost Rider. Oh, like cool. the one we know, you know, uh, Robbie Reyes, we meet on this show or you know, people know from the movies or in comics, uh, Johnny Blaze or his brother, Danny Ketch. Uh, so like any one of these characters who made a deal with the devil and uh, have weird hellfire related powers, this guy inherited them from someone else who didn't have those powers at all, <laughs> but shared a name once because Brian Bendis doesn't actually read the comics. He says he does. They're old <laughs> when he, when he, when he writes stuff, it's, it's like, it's demonstrably true. Uh, I could go on and on about it, but that's not what this is about. Uh, he was created by Brian, Michael Bendis and Alex Mal- first appeared in mighty Avengers number 13 in July, 2008. 
and died in Secret Warriors number 22 in January 2011. Um, I think he betrayed everybody. Oh. Um, in the show or in the, in the, in the comic. So that's why he's a bad guy in the show. I think he, uh, yeah. Fury dropped him off a cliff. Oh, pretty okay. fucking badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get for betraying the team. <laughs> well, hey, 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 in, in the spirit of telekinesis via whatever, couldn't he have used like his firepowers to like create like upward, like upward pressure with like the wind system and like saved himself. I think it has to be something <laughs> solid that he, oh, man. That, that he imbues with fire. So like if, if only he would have thought or, or like bent over, like, like, made his boots or something like, 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 like into jets. He could have done it perhaps. Maybe Fury took his shoes off first. I don't, I don't have the <laughs> issue in front of me, uh, but no, no. Yeah. He betrayed everybody. Uh, and I think he was trying to get immunity for him and Daisy. Cause I think he had a feelings for Daisy, but I don't believe they were. I, I think it was sort of a ward situation where they lasted. They, they, they were returned for a while until she found out he, Betrayed everyone to Hydra. Worst, yeah. yeah. So so he's sort of like a mixture of this character and and Ward and also doesn't make any sense in a yeah. million ways. And did I mention he's not Australian? Yeah. <laughs> Why did they make him Australian? In the I show? don't know. They love to do that though on in stuff. Uh in the first uh Wolverine appearance uh, in animated stuff in uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends and then in a spin-off an, an attempted X-Men spin-off pilot called Pride of the X-Men uh in both those Wolverine who's always been Canadian and everything he has an Australian accent which is <laughs> great I mean he, it's like owed to like Hugh Jackman or something right Yeah but, but, but before Hugh Jackman was cast it's it's right? perfect <laughs> so I love weird. it it's like they predicted it somehow they're like one day Wolverine will be Australian I guarantee it <laughs> <laughs> whoever like did the casting or producing I'm oh sure of it that's funny. Feel it deep down. <laughs> well, we we will get more of James in the upcoming episodes because I have some things I want to say about his Australianness, and I think we should save it for then. Um, I'm I'm happy to. <laughs> and, and, like my my only comment about him is like I he's not my favorite actor, guest actor, whatever on the show, but he's also he's not by any means. No, and he like, serves a good purpose here. He does, like, and like like his I feel like his character is cheesier. Than the guy who plays him, or whatever. Like, like all of our shade at Lincoln, seventy-five percent of it, I think, is actually directed at the actor, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and and in this episode, more towards the character. But in general, I think it's uh, it's less about the character being crummy. But whereas I think JT's issues are he's a, a t- very much a tool in the yeah. show. Like yeah. wh- whatever his role is, whenever we see him, he's just a means to an end. And he's the guy gets to be, yeah. <laughs> and the guy gets to, it, it seems like have a good time playing yeah. a goofy douchebag. And that makes it fun because yeah. whereas the guy who plays Lincoln, it doesn't feel like he has any fun at all because I don't know what he's capable of. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic because he's Australian. Um, all right. With that, I think we should end here. Um, where can people find you on social media? People can find me at I Snow Nothing, where uh, or I Snow Nothing on Twitter. Where right now I'm blowing up because I uh, tweeted a video of <laughs> a Russian sable, which is a marten, like a or, or like wild ferret, which they're basically like cuter. Weasel. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, 
they they look like Wolverines, and so I made a joke oh, that yeah. it was the perfect casting for Jonathan, the real Wolverine. X X twenty three from from Logan uh, in the comics. She has a little sister named uh, Gabby, who's basically the version, a, a, an a more adorable version of her from the movie Logan. Like she's like thirteen, mm-hmm. she's younger. She, she, she's she's. Uh, X-23's kid sister. So she's like a little kid Wolverine. She's got one claw and is (laughs) just super cute. And like, we'll make a death threat to a guy and then be like, thanks. Bye. And like run away (laughs) with with a hair, like a flower hair clip in her hair. Like she's awesome. She has a pet Wolverine named Jonathan, the actual Wolverine. And uh, I I just made a joke where the, I think the best subset of, pedantry on the internet are people telling you that's not a real wolverine (laughs) because i'm like at what point did you think this was a serious tweet like first i can't cast the x-men movies (laughs) two i don't know that they're going to cast that that (laughs) the actual wolverine in the first mcu (laughs) x-men there's so many assumptions to get to for someone else to tell me although my favorite uh kind of kind of smart ass comment was this is how people get mauled i'm like by Looking at a picture on Twitter, like I, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm certain I'm safe. Like I'm not risking the wrath of Russian sables, like for revenge for misrepresenting them as Wolverine. Where, where, where can people find you? Um, you can you can find me on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Um, and I have another podcast called Lousy Beautiful Town where I scream about Star Wars. Uh, you can find that podcast on Twitter at LBT Pod, but you should go listen to it if you like Star Wars and you like hard conversations. We've had very many hard conversations recently. Um, and I also just wrote a piece on cultural appropriation in the costuming of Star Wars on the com website. So you should go read that and yes. tell me how amazing it is because I am not a writer and I'm very insecure. No, it's yeah. really it, it really is really great, and I mean, I the, the podcast still is recommended, but I did really enjoy uh, the article. I thought I thought it was very well written, and uh, other than one smart ass <laughs> comment, <laughs> it seemed like pe- yeah. people appreciate it. Yeah, um, yeah, which made me happy because I was like, I don't know. This it was a really salty article, so I was a little worried it was going off pretty bad. But but, but I, and it's 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 not like out of the left out of left field or whatever it's like it's something that's the basis of star wars yeah is cultural appropriation yeah. kind of un not even there's i was gonna say unashamedly but i don't know if that's that's right just without any question like, yeah. like there's no secret involved he's uh, like from the beginning george lucas is like this is a samurai movie yeah. <laughs> he, he said this is hidden fortress <laughs> like it's literally it's, yeah. it's and it's like yeah he had like a lot of um, we're going off on a tangent again, but he had a lot of like respect and you know influence right. from uh, Akira Kurosawa. But like, like literally, like taking like a samurai armor and making it into like Darth Vader, where now we recognize that as being Darth Vader even more than like some actual cultures like history. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> not great. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Anyway, um, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Project Tahiti. Uh, you can listen to us on everything but Spotify, it seems like, because we have issues. Um, Apple Play, Google Podcast. If you are a browser listener, you can listen on butwhythopodcast.com or Podbean. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti, Magical Place. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.